Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be talking about newborn sleep. How do newborns sleep, and when do they start sleeping through the night? What's the best way to set down a healthy sleep foundation? Rebecca Mickey is here to answer all those questions and hopefully get you more sleep. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Bibomia, offering online training, mentorship, and community for pregnancy, birth, and parenting businesses. Right now, use the code BIRTHFUL to receive $200 off registration for their doula training. Learn more at bebomia.com. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by RX Bar Kids a clean label snack bar made with high-quality, real ingredients designed specifically for kids. Learn more at rxbar.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Parents and Parents-to-be. Thanks for listening and for all your messages and all the love you give you the show. And if what you hear is helpful, then please do take a few minutes to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook or on Google, wherever you listen to it. Tell your friends. It really does help. All right. Since you are listening to this episode, I am guessing you will soon have a newborn. And I do want to acknowledge that you're doing a fabulous thing by looking ahead and getting ready for what's to come. Newborn sleep is one of the biggest challenges, and I know that this episode is going to be really helpful for you. Now, if you want to prepare even more, I do have to share that I have some lovely online postpartum classes that you should check out. If you're around 29 to 34 weeks or near that, now is the perfect time for you to prepare for life with a newborn. Not just the giving birth part but all the fabulous craziness that starts right after that baby comes out. Childbirth education classes are great, but I find that they don't really get into what you need to know to survive and thrive during the first three months of life with the baby. So why don't you let me help you with that? Check out my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation course at birthfulcourses.com. This is a class on how to understand and connect with and enjoy the baby you've got while taking care of his or her primal needs and at the same time giving you space to figure out your new identity as a parent without losing yourself. It's five weeks of super relevant content that you can take at your own pace now and then also go back and review after the baby arrives. So you you have access forever and you get all the content right away, even though it's set up for to be taken in a five week course. If you don't have five weeks, you can do it quicker. And of course, you can do it all in your pajamas in the comfort of your own home. You don't have to go anywhere. So that saves you time. Go to birthfallcourses.com to sign up and get all your ducks in a row now. All right. My guest today is Rebecca Mickey, who is a British-born and trained children's sleep consultant based in Washington, in Seattle, Washington, and she works with families all over the globe. Rebecca is passionate about helping children and their parents build healthy habits so they can finally get some sleep, and she's also the author of the book Sleep and Your Child's Temperament. 
Her mission is to help families get a good night's sleep by transforming drama into dreamland without ever having to leave their child to cry it out. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to have you. So today we're focusing on newborn sleep, and I guess we should start by defining what we mean by newborn sleep. Can you tell us? Um, well, newborns sleep a lot. They can sleep up to 18 hours a day, which when you think about it, that's amazing. But it is just in very short little bursts um, because hunger really defines their a newborn sleep. So newborns sleep a lot of the time, but as I say, it's just in short little segments. So it may only be in two hour blocks that they're sleeping. Um, so it's quite different to how we sleep. Mm -hmm. And in terms of how long this period of newborn sleep lasts, what are we talking about? 12 weeks, 16 yeah. weeks? First 12 weeks. Um, and it, there's a big shift that happens at around that 12-week mark. And I say around that 12-week mark because it depends on um, when your child was born. It actually goes from conception date. So 52 weeks from conception, there's this very big shift. So if your child was born a little bit late, then this shift happens earlier than 12 weeks. If they were born early, it happens later than 12 weeks. Um, and then we the a child goes from infant sleep cycles, um, which are shorter than ours and not getting into such deep sleep as we do. Um, and then as they go through this shift, they then go to actually go to adult sleep cycles, the same sleep cycles that you and I go through, but they are much shorter. And so that shift happens at 52, 52 weeks from conception. Yes, that's right. Is that, does that still hold for, say, a baby that's a month premature or more? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah, okay. so it will happen quite a bit later for for a preemie. Okay. Yes. So it it's sort of that newborn sleep gets extended, basically. Definitely, definitely mm -hmm. does. Um, so yeah, so the a newborn sleeps. Um, they don't get as deep sleep as we do. They do get some sort of dream sleep, but it is a little different to ours. And of what newborns are dreaming of, we can only imagine. Um, and they spend a lot of time in a in a lighter sleep. Um, than, than we do. And we think this is their own SIDS prevention because um, that can happen in a deeper sleep. So they're not getting into that into that deep sleep. Um, sleep cycles are quite short as well. And one of the one of the real major things that, that the way that newborns sleep is that they produce a low level of melatonin, which is a sleep-inducing hormone. Um, they produce a low level of that 24-7, regardless of if they're in the brightest sunlight or in uh, the pitchest of darkest rooms. Um, and when we they go through this shift at 12 weeks, they begin to produce a higher amount when they get into a dark, dim environment. And as that's inducing sleep, that's making sleep much easier. So is it fair to say then that because of this shift in melatonin during this newborn sleep they can't really tell between night and day yes so definitely. it's more of a continuum for all those weeks yes unfortunately um children do but as they get older um because with newborns a lot of the time what their wake-ups are governed by the by hunger and their stomachs are tiny as we know and so they do need feeding little and often um, and then as they get older and they're getting nearer to that 12 weeks um, their stomach is getting bigger obviously and they can be then taking more milk at each feeding which will sort of last them longer so you may notice that you get, do begin to get longer stretches before the 12 weeks uh, but that's just more sort of the hunger reason uh, because they're able to take more milk 
Mm-hmm. And when we're talking longer st- stretches, what are we talking about in time? Ooh. Yeah, that's a that's a great question because and I don't have a definitive answer for that because it, it is very, very broad. Um, but you may notice that initially with a newborn, newborns are very, very sleepy and they will sleep often and you get come sometimes get this false sense of security that um, oh my baby sleeps amazingly well hours and hours and hours and then they begin to wake up a little bit after birth um, and they may wake every couple of hours 24 7 waking every couple of hours and then as they're getting a little bit older you may notice that they're beginning to get a longer stretch right at the beginning of the night um, and then waking more and more often as the night goes on so you may be stretching out to a three or four hour stretch when they initially go down for the night and then after that first wake up they may wake sort of every two or three hours Mm. and we're going to take a quick break but when we come back i want to talk about the idea of sleeping through the night when to expect that what that can look like we'll be right back Registration is open for the Bebomia Doula Training. Birthful listeners will receive $200 off registration when they use the code BIRTHFUL. This works on payment plans as well. Bebomia's comprehensive doula training is all taught live in their online classrooms so you can learn from anywhere in the world. This now 15-week plus a bonus week all-in-one fertility, birth, and postpartum doula training provides you with hands-on learning and lets you go at your own pace. The program comes with a private support group so you can meet other birth pros and talk to your instructors 24-7. Babomia offers all of their programs online so you can do them from home, no daycare, no travel time. The payment plan options make this a manageable investment in your career. Your training will pay for itself with just one client and they will help you get that client. The instructors are fun, diverse and inclusive and cover topics not found in any other doula training. Check out the reviews on Facebook and go to bebomia.com for more info. And remember to use the code BIRTHFUL to get $200 off. That's bebomia, B-E-B-O-M-I-A dot com. And we're back talking with Rebecca Mickey. So what about that mythical and elusive sleeping through the night? When can <laughs> they expect that? <laughs> Oh, I wish I knew. I wish I had a a real answer for that one. I really, truly believe that some children need a feed during the night until they're 12 months old. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that they're going to be sleeping like a newborn until they're they're 12 months old. If a a 10-month-old is having one feed a night and able to then sleep great, excellent. That's that's great. Um, But sleeping through the night... It's different for everybody. It's different for every child. Sleeping through the night is actually classed as sleeping 12 consecutive hours between 12 midnight and 5 a.m. Well, to be honest, that's not really what I would call sleeping through the night. Sleeping through the night, for for me, is when I put my child down for the night that they then sleep through the night until it's time to get up in the morning. Uh, That's what I class as sleeping through the night. And that really depends on Um, the age of the child, the temperament of the child as well plays a really huge part in that. Some children as young as six weeks are sleeping through the night. Some others are two years old and they begin to sleep through the night. Um, It really depends on so many different factors. But temperament really does play a huger part than I think that we give sort of credit for when it comes to sleep. Children who have a more intense or a more spirited temperament do have a harder time with sleep, and studies prove this to be the case. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to to tell parents this, that 
sleeping that it is normal for a child even two years old to not be sleeping through the night it doesn't mean they're going to be waking up every two hours no but Mm -hmm. that you know you sometimes you get parents thinking oh my baby's a month old two months old six months old especially six months old they should be sleeping through the night by now Mm -hmm. and that's not a a realistic expectation not at all it's it's completely false because nobody sleeps through the night humans do not sleep for that sort of you know consecutive amount of hours whether that's five hours or 10 hours or 12 hours all humans so all of us wake between two and six times a night so waking is completely normal and is not a problem Oftentimes, the going back to sleep part can be a problem. So if your child is relying on something to get back to sleep, being fed or being rocked or being bounced or walked around, then you will need to be doing that sort of between two and six times a night if that's the only way that they can get back down to get back down to sleep. But I really believe that a lot of children still need a feed during the night. So no matter how much rocking you're doing, if they're hungry, they're not going to be going back back down to sleep anyway. Um, so it's sort of trying to sort of, yes, understand that we don't sleep through the night. Nobody sleeps through the night. We may remember some of our wake-ups, that we wake up, roll over, fluff the pillow a little bit, get comfortable and go back to sleep. Others will come into the lightest sleep and it would if actually be if we were having a sleep study done class as a wake up, but we wouldn't remember it. We'd just, you know, be just in that real light, light sleep, roll over maybe and get back down into a deep sleep, but it's still a wake up. Um, so we're all doing that all through the night. Um, all of us are. So nobody sleeps through the night. Um, so sleeping through the night, mm, urban myth completely. Nobody's doing it. Um, so I think really understanding that and then understanding what the reason that your child is having a longer wake up. Is it hunger? If they're hungry, feed them. They need to be fed. Uh, because you, as you know, you're trying to get a child down to sleep who's hungry. It's nobody's sleeping because the child is really hungry. Um, so they're not. nobody's going to be sleeping if they're hungry. If it is a bit more of a that your child needs to be rocked in order to get back to sleep, because that's just how they get back to sleep. Until they learn how to fall asleep a little more independently, you will be expected to do that. Um, So as I say, waking up isn't an issue. It's the falling back asleep part that can make wake-ups an issue. Mm -hmm. And so is it true that the newborns, which is is sort of what we're talking about, they don't, on those 12 weeks, they don't really have a complete capacity to fall asleep on their own. It's more just that melatonin taking over. That will definitely help. Melatonin will definitely help. Uh, there's there's a lot going on uh, within with with newborns um, that they they're used to being sort of movement to fall asleep. And you remember when you were pregnant and you're uh, you'd be moving around all day and you wouldn't necessarily feel baby move. And then you get into bed in the middle of the night. You're woken up with all this jiggling and kicking and everything because the you're because you're no longer moving baby's now awake and so movement does lull children to sleep and so that really will help with the newborn stage is helping will help newborn sleep is movement so don't be afraid to rock your child do not be afraid of creating bad habits or anything like that with a newborn so within those first first 12 weeks to be honest I always suggest families just do whatever they need to do 
safely to be getting their child to sleep and don't worry about bad habits don't worry if you're nursing or you can only get your child down to sleep by rocking them it's all completely fine we can't create any bad habits within those 12 weeks once we're getting past that then we can be aiming for a little bit more independent also remembering that some kiddos just sleep great and you can just pop them down and they'll just be able to fall asleep. These children are the more laid back, more easygoing temperament of child. But if your child is incredibly laid back and they still need help with a newborn falling asleep, just help them because you're not creating bad habits. And if you're trying to be getting them down, maybe that drowsy but awake, which to be honest, I think is an urban myth, um, or trying to be getting them to doing this a little bit more independently because you don't want to be creating bad habits, it's just incredibly frustrating for you. It's incredibly frustrating for your child. And it's really not going to work. It will work when it will work, when they're ready for it. So trying to push too much too soon is just very frustrating for everybody. And then nobody's getting any sleep. Mm-hmm. And I love that we're breaking all these myths because some parents are very concerned that they're going to start to spoil their child. Mm-hmm. And I always say during these two weeks, that baby doesn't even have an idea they're an eye. Like they don't know their arms or his or hers. Yep. There's no, they, they're so far from any capacity of manipulative thinking. Yes, <laughs> not in not in any any way. Um, I remember with, with my daughter, I have two daughters, they're age 10 and 11. And with my first daughter, I just sort of was, I remember sort of thinking that I don't think she likes me. <laughs> Because, oh, no. because of the way that she's waking up. It's just sort of, she can't like me, the way that she's doing this. And we sort of just be, we just sort of just don't think maybe rationally when we're sleep deprived. But to be honest, that's why you will need to do whatever you can do to get as much sleep as possible and not thinking that um, that your child is trying to manipulate you. A newborn is certainly not trying to manipulate you. They don't even realize that they are separated from you. So they're not trying to manipulate you. They're just trying to just do what they need to do, which is being fed um, and just being being loved and being held and being nurtured. That's what they need for those first 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And all these, the holding, the rocking are things that help them metabolically and help yes. them be healthier because it regulates their temperature and, and fulfills a lot of biological needs. Definitely, definitely. And so we don't want to be sort of trying to aim for that independent sleep when it's just, it's not going to happen. And it's it, being held, being nurtured, skin to skin, all of these things are really, really important in those first few weeks. Good stuff. And let's take another quick break. But when we come back, let's talk about that transition into older baby sleep and getting ready for that. We'll be right back. We've been talking about some of the very real struggles of life with a newborn, but if you have older kids, you are then probably very familiar with a different struggle, which is trying to find a snack that is healthy and nutritious and that your kids like. Usually you get one or the other. Not so with the RX Bar Kids. When we started the sponsorship, we received a box with an assortment of their three flavors, which are Berry Blast Chocolate Chip and Apple Cinnamon Raisin, and the box quickly disappeared. At one point, I walked into the kitchen as my daughter was halfway through a bar, and she said, Mom, you need to get more of these. I really like them. And you know that kids won't just say stuff like that unless it's true. Since then, we've had to buy two more boxes. Can I tell you how happy I am not to have to argue with my daughter about her snack choices? So 
Clearly, she likes them, and I like that RX Bar Kids are made with high-quality, real ingredients using egg whites, fruits, and nuts as their base. So each RX Bar Kids bar has 7 grams of protein, absolutely zero added sugar, and no gluten, soy, or dairy. They are delicious, clean, and convenient, and really the perfect thing as an after-school snack or to take on a hike or to eat after sports or gymnastics practice, to have as an emergency stash in your glove compartment, you know, everywhere. I also asked Annika what flavor she liked the best, and she said the berry blast and the chocolate chip. You know, because favorite means more than one. <laughs> Gotta love it. You can find RX bars at Target stores, or to get 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash birthful and enter the promo code birthful at checkout. That's the letter R, the letter X, bar.com slash birthful so rxbar.com slash birthful and use the promo code birthful to get 25% off your first order we are back talking with Rebecca Mickey and so to recap during those first 12 weeks do whatever you can sleep you know, nurse to sleep rock to sleep hold your baby be with your baby all those good things. Enjoy and love your baby and try to get as much sleep. Then are there any tips or tricks on how to navigate into the next stage so that the things that you're doing now, like you can do everything you want, but have sort of prepare so that they don't become then habits that need to be broken? Mm, as they get older, yes. As we go through this big shift at around that 12-week time, sleep can dramatically change it really can be really night and day it really can just like somebody flips a switch so we can have really challenging sleepers who can become much easier sleepers you can also go the other way easy sleepers who become more challenging sleepers or it can kind of can stay the same so if you're having to give so much help do not think that it is always going to be this way as we get through that shift where they're able to uh, be sleeping for longer stretches they're getting deeper sleep then you're probably going to find that sleep is very very different so don't worry too much uh, as I say, it can be such a dramatic change. Um, but as again, it can be a dramatic change the other way. If you have a great sleeper, it certainly can become more of a um, of a challenge. If you are, um, if it goes the other way, where you need to be, you have great sleeper, and then suddenly, oh my gosh, this is just completely crazy. What's going on? And oftentimes, I hear from families, and they'll say things were going great. We had a great sleeper until we got to about three months old and then something happened and then ah, you went through that big shift mm -hmm. um, and so you can get a more of a challenge you can get a challenging sleeper that happens after that shift as well um, but I think I think it's harder when you're dealing with an, an infant a newborn who is not sleeping great than because there's a lot going on for for families you know if you're just becoming a family for the first time there's so much transition and if you're completely sleep deprived as well during this we've got hormones and everything going on and we're completely sleep deprived those first few weeks can be incredibly inc incredibly tricky um if you've sort of have managed to catch up on a bit of sleep and you've done okay sleep wise those first 12 weeks and then suddenly you're getting a bit more more challenging sleep. Though definitely that's tough. I think 
it's the easier of the two to, to deal with, to manage, um, because you've done that initial postpartum period where you've not been chronically sleep deprived because the postpartum period is hard enough as it is. Mm-hmm. And you're then, more recovered and your body's yes. feeling a little, you're bouncing back. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. So it's, yes, if things can really, can really, really change. And so as you get then past that 12 week stage, you sort of see where sleep is. So give it a give it a week or two after that 12 weeks to see, okay, where is sleep now? Then decide, okay, this part is a problem and that may be waking up every hour. This part is a problem or the initial falling to sleep. The initial falling to sleep is taking us two hours each night to get my child down to sleep. That's your sort of most problem part. Identifying what that is and then seeing how you can be gently changing that. So if your child is taking hours to fall asleep at the beginning part of the night, then it may be that timing is more of an issue. It's not necessarily a learning to fall asleep independent issue, but timing. Are we looking at the timing? Is your child getting good naps during the day? Um, are you uh, are they well rested when it comes to nighttime? Um, so looking at more of the timing issue will help so much with beginning of the night, falling asleep. So it's really identifying um, what you're where you're having an issue and then working on that issue, not sleep as a whole. Sleep is just we need to work on sleep. No, because that's just too broad. There's just too much to do and it's completely overwhelming. Seeing what that little piece that you want to work on and then gently work on that. When you've worked on that, then you can move on to the next stage. So breaking it up into those little steps is easier on you. It's easier on your child and you're more likely to get results that are longer lasting. You can see what's working and what's not working. If you're just working on sleep as a whole, you're changing your daytime routines, you're trying to be introducing more independent sleep skills, you don't know what's working and what's not because everything's just too much. So breaking it up into those little steps is easy, so much easier. Um, and you're going to get results much easier doing it that way. Um, and long-term results as well. And that's what we want is long-term results. We don't want a quick fix. We want to be, once we start getting better sleep, to be continuing to get better sleep. Mm-hmm. So, because okay, so during those first 12 weeks, are there any things that, can help lay down a healthier sleep foundation so that the moms don't get to and and dads the parents don't get to a point where they are at their wits end because I understand taking it one bite at a time and just addressing maybe the the naps or just addressing Mm -hmm. the you know in in taking it in chunks but sometimes you get parents that are they just got to a really extreme point where nothing's working Nobody's getting any sleep. They're at their wit's end and they just want to go to and their pediatrician tells them, just cry it out. Mm-hmm. How can, is there a way to try to avoid, set down healthy sleep habits during newborn period so that they are not at that point later on? Yes. Yeah. So the first thing that I like to do is look at the sleep environment. So where your child is going to be sleeping for, for that longest stretch and trying to be working on that initially. And that's something that you can do right from even before your child is born. So we're looking at uh, the temperature of the room and it needs to probably be cooler than you think between 65 and 68, the room needs to be. So layering your child accordingly, um, but the room needs to be a little bit cooler. We sleep better in a in a cool environment. Um, though we are um, 
not producing a higher level of melatonin in that newborn stage. Um, I want parents to be producing that higher level of melatonin um, when, you know, during the nighttime. So that means that there's no screen time, that you need to be leaving your phone outside of the room or your laptop outside of the room, no TV on, um, because that eventually that will affect your child, but it is also affecting you uh, because the screen is a very broad spectrum light, um, which is the same as sunlight. So that if you are checking your phone before you're going to bed, the brain thinks doesn't think that it's about to go to sleep because it thinks the sun is still up. Um, so keeping your phone out of the out of the bedroom so it will help you because if you can get down to sleep as quickly as possible when your child is asleep, that's not so it's not so much of an issue infants are going to wake if you struggle to fall back asleep every time after your child has woken then you're getting much less sleep so we want you to be getting as good sleep as possible so phones computers tvs everything we want to be completely avoiding those around sleep time um, and as well you want to look at what kind of light bulbs you have in the bedroom Energy saving light bulbs are exactly the same broad spectrum. And um, if you have an energy saving light bulb or an LED bulb or a halogen bulb, uh, that again will inhibit the production of melatonin. So that's if you're turning a light on as you're getting your child ready for sleep um, or during the night as you're feeding, if it's an energy saving bulb, you turn that on, the brain instantly thinks, ah, the sun's come up, it's time to get up. Mm -hmm. Stops producing melatonin, which means it's harder for you to get back down to sleep. Then when your child is producing melatonin, after we've got past those 12 weeks, they're beginning to produce that high amount. It's dark. They wake up. You turn that light on. Ah, it's time to get up. The sun's come up. Big hormonal shift happens. Uh, so we want to be even looking at light bulbs. Um, make, I would swaddle your child. It's definitely going to be uh, helpful for them to be sleeping if you can swaddle them. Have white noise as well. So a consistent sort of maybe a fan or a white noise machine can be really, really helpful in helping newborns sleep and get longer, longer stretches. Um, because, you know, though it is very uncommon for newborns to be sleep deprived because they're pretty good at sleeping. Um, and normally it is due to, um, to, due to some health issues that they wouldn't be getting enough sleep. Uh, maybe with if they have severe reflux or some other things going on that they that would maybe prohibiting them from sleeping um it's m more of an issue for the parents uh, mm -hmm. the, the sleep deprivation is and i've got um, a story i'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt you and give you a story for that that mm -hmm. happened you know like all, our own personal story and it's only now after knowing all the things that i know that i've gone Ugh poor honey was just hungry so mm -hmm. with my daughter she she wasn't sleeping she didn't sleep like you know baby sleep 12, 16 18 hours a yeah. day mm -hmm. newborns she wasn't doing that and it turns out that she had a lip tie mm -hmm. and that was causing her not to be able to even though my milk supply was great and and breastfeeding her latch wasn't bad she would click but at that point i didn't know any better to get help Mm -hmm. And we were, we just kept saying, oh, we have a baby that doesn't sleep. We have a baby that doesn't sleep. When in fact, it was that she, her belly wasn't getting enough food. So she was just hungry most of the time. And as you said, couldn't fall back asleep. So it's not even big things. It can be little things that we don't know. Yes. Yeah. So that's why we want to sort of be looking at 
everything. We really want to be sort of looking at, yeah, you're looking at that environment. Um, and if you've tried, you know, if your, your child fed an hour ago um, and you've tried other things to get them back to sleep, just try feeding again. Um, if they're hungry, they will they will feed. It could be a growth spur. It could be, say, you could be a, a lip tie or a tongue tie or, or something sort of going on that will mean that they that they need to sleep. It could just be that they need that comfort mm-hmm. uh, to be able to get back down to sleep. So yes, certainly try other things first, and then but don't sort of feel that oh it, it can't be hunger because really it it certainly can be hunger. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, and and it and those first two weeks are so determined by the stomach. I really like um, how you pointed out the parents' melatonin mm-hmm. and how important it is for them to focus on on their sleep. Because one of the things that happen when you have a newborn is even if before you would sleep through anything, now every little squeak gets you up. Oh gosh, yes, yeah. There's that whole new mummy thing going on, and it lasts forever. It really does <laughs> yes. last forever. That yes, and it's it's pretty amazing. Studies have done that show infants and mums sleeping together. They sleep in rhythm, um, where their breathing is in rhythm. Their even their heart rates are in rhythm, and so that they are sleeping together, so that they will come into a light sleep together. Um, so it's actually pretty amazing to watch uh, a, a, an infant and a, a mum sleeping together so that could be even in the same room it doesn't have to be bed sharing but even in the same room Um, and so when your child comes into a light sleep you're coming into a light sleep so you are sort of roused as well to to being more awake because you're hearing the your child is beginning to to wake up and this can cause a few problems Um, with my um, both of my daughters they slept in a bassinet right next to my bed uh, and that I would hear them beginning to wake up. And so then I would be instantly wide awake and they may have spent 20 minutes properly waking up. Meanwhile, I'm sat on the edge of the bed looking at a sleeping baby um, because she's just beginning to wake up. My husband's the other side of me just completely asleep he doesn't have that thing going on where he's waking up still doesn't um and so it's just you know and i'm just like i'm the only one who's actually really awake here and i'm just sat here waiting for baby to wake up so that i can then just feed because it's a feed time and get her back down to sleep um so yeah so that can cause a few problems that you're not necessarily just gradually waking up you are waking up when you hear that your baby is beginning to wake up you're waking up that can then lead to us overhelping. Mm-hmm. So because you just think, well, I know that, you know, baby's waking up. I'm just going to help back down into a deeper sleep. So then what we can be doing, if this is prolonged, going on and on and on, way past that 12 weeks that we are doing this, we're not actually giving the child an opportunity to get back down into a deeper sleep. So we're always stepping in and they then think that they need that help to get back down into a deeper sleep. And then they will need the help to get back down into a deeper sleep. So waiting until your child is awake before helping is definitely the thing to be doing because we then need, we then are giving them that opportunity to get back down to sleep. Now, I'm being realistic here that uh, this is not always possible. At the beginning part of the night, this is possible. But then after you've maybe done this three, four, five times a night, then you're probably sort of thinking, there's no way I can wait. I can't wait this 20 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever until my child wakes up because 
I need to be back to sleep as quickly as possible. So if you can try giving your child that opportunity at the beginning part of the night and then, you know, being realistic, if you need to step in much sooner for your own sanity, then certainly do that because mom's sanity is really kind of crucial during this, during, you know, parenting. Um, And so sleep deprived parents are, you know, if you're just making yourself even more sleep deprived because you need to be giving your child that opportunity that's not the right thing to do. Um, so if you can be initially just trying, seeing if your child can get themselves back to sleep at the maybe the beginning part of the night, if they can't, obviously step in. Or giving them, see, you know, waiting until they're fully awake, excellent, do that. But then as the night goes on, don't be so, don't be so strict with yourself, mm-hmm. especially after 4 a.m. And 4 a.m. is a bit of a magical time when it comes to sleep. And you may notice this, that... Um, Children wake more often after 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is that none of us get into a deep sleep after 4 a.m. So we're bouncing around much more in those in the lighter sleep stages, which means that if you have a, a child who is needing to be helped back to sleep often, then um, they will need to be helped back much more often after 4 a.m. because they're coming into that light sleep more often than they are the, earlier than in the night. Um, so at that point, that's kind of after four, you definitely need to do whatever you need to do and as quickly as possible. Because as we know, when we wake up and we've not been in a deep sleep, we're more awake and it's easier to wake. When we've been woken from a, from a deep sleep, it's very easily to fall back to sleep. So say you went to sleep, you were woken at one and you're sort of at that, you, when you're woken from a deep sleep, you're in that real sort of drowsy and you kind of do what you need to do and then you lay back down, your head hits the pillow, boom, you're out again. When you're woken though at five, you're much more awake um, because you've not come from a deep sleep. And so that's the same for your child. Your child, when they wake at that time, is much more awake. They've not come from a deep sleep. So actually the chance of them being able to get themselves back to sleep after 4 a.m., it's probably not going to happen. So mm-hmm. at that point, you need to be stepping in much quicker and helping them just so everybody's getting better sleep. Um, and then, you know, is they getting more independence at the beginning part of the night where they're able to get back to sleep from being drowsy, then that's great. That will then follow through during the night, through the whole of the night. But don't feel that it's an all or nothing. It never is with sleep. You can just do things really gradually, really slowly. Um, and say, just starting just with the beginning part of the night, trying to be a little more hands off, obviously helping when you need to, but trying to be a little more hands off and then helping more during the night if you need to. Um, so that it's just, I think doing this way, it's much easier for everybody. Um, if you, um, feel that way that it's not an all or nothing and we're dealing you know we're dealing with sleep we're dealing with naps we're dealing with beginning of the night during the night that's completely crazy i don't know anybody who's brave enough to do that taking in a little chance a little okay i'm just going to work on just that getting to sleep or during the night first until midnight that is a big enough chunk to be working on mm-hmm. then as you begin to see results then it will follow through through for more of the night and know that everything will change at some point, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad, but that yes. things will change. It won't be like that forever. No, definitely, definitely not. Um, and as we know, as as infants grow, um, they get, reach different developmental stages, which will change sleep, um, and they're more able to um, be sleeping for longer stretches. It is going to completely change. You know, within that first year, 
so much is going on anyway, sort of developmentally, when you really think about from when they were born until a year old, what has actually happened is absolutely amazing. It's just such big changes. And so, of course, that's with everything, with the food that they eat, what they can be doing physically, and, of course, that's with sleep as well. And so it does all change as they are getting older. So if you're in a real tough spot now, do not think that, oh, my gosh, this is going to last forever. That's probably what you're thinking at 3 a.m. because it's tough. Nobody's being sort of making rational decisions or thinking rationally at 3 a.m. Um, and so it's it's tough and you just think, I just this is just awful. I can't cope with this any longer. It doesn't mean that it's going to always be this way. And if you want to start making some changes, start making some changes. I'm a real firm believer that it's only a problem when it's a problem. Mm-hmm. So, And that's very different for every single individual because every individual has their own sleep need. Somebody may be able to cope on five hours of sleep and they do great. Somebody may need their nine hours of sleep. And they're going to struggle a little bit more with the, with the sleep deprivation. And so it's only a problem when it's a problem. When it's a problem, then you need to be making some changes. If you're quite happy with how things are, do not feel that you have to be making changes because your pediatrician has said that you have or because your friend has said that this is their child is doing this. If it's not a problem for you, it's not a problem for you. When it's a problem, then is the time to make changes. Yes, and that it's it has to be working also for everybody in the family. It's not just that it works for the kid or the baby or the yes. child and then mom just has to suck it up. Yes, um, no, yeah, it has to be working for the whole family unit. It really, really does. And so that does involve your partner as well. So if mom is doing the majority of the nighttime parenting, which often she is, especially if she's nursing, she is going to be doing the majority of the of the nighttime parenting, um, that then you still need to be having, your partner still needs to be really on board with everything that is happening. And that especially is true when it comes to bed sharing. Uh, we own, the, you know, that really is a family decision if that's going to be happening and going to be carrying on. If your partner is not on board with it, you need to be thinking about some other, other options. And having your you know, a crib or a bassinet right next to the bed may be the next perfect option for your family. Mm -hmm. And I like how you pointed out that those adjustments might be sometimes you're adjusting things with baby, but sometimes you're adjusting things with yourself. So if you've got the 4 a.m. after 4 a.m. magic that happens that everybody's starting to wake up more and it's even harder for, for parents to go back to sleep, then maybe they have to realistically look at their schedule and make their bedtime earlier mm-hmm. when on the early you know the early part of the night when baby is sleeping longer instead of the, and it's hard because that's like when you finally get a, some time to be alone yes. or have that yes. partner time but yes. you're so sleep deprived so ugh, it's hard to yes. go to bed sleep earlier it, it certainly is. It, it really, really is. But remember, it's not for it's not forever. It's not going to be forever that this happens. It is just for a short amount of time. And if it just means that you're feeling better rested, it's certainly worth it. So, you know, and it, may, it doesn't have to be every night. It could be that it is just two, three nights a week that you're going to be going to bed you know, when baby gets down to bed, you're going down to bed. Um, it doesn't, it's not an all, again, it's not an all or nothing. Just make little changes that are going to really be helping you. Fantastic. Um, Rebecca, we're almost out of time getting there, but is there one last tip or something that you wanted to say that you didn't get to say? 
I don't think I think we've talked about so much. Um, I with newborns, just honestly, just do whatever you need to do. You can't go wrong if you're just doing whatever it is that you need to do to be getting your infant to sleep, as long as you're doing it safely. So do not feel afraid of bed sharing if it works for you, but really do research safe bed sharing. Um, and as well, you want to be researching safe crib, safe, safe crib sleeping. Um, but so just do whatever you need to do as long as you're doing it safely. Mm -hmm. And to the listeners, if they want to hear more about safe bed sharing, one of my first podcasts was with Teresa Pittman, specifically about safer bed sharing. So she goes over the the safe sleep, sorry, safe bed sharing seven, um, mm -hmm. which you can get all that information there too, or you can Google it. Excellent. Yes, there's a lot of information online about about safe bed sharing. Um, there really is. Um, but yeah, that's great. If you already have a podcast, that would definitely be worth going back and listening to. Definitely. Fantastic. Rebecca, where can listeners find out more about what you're doing about your book contact you? Mm -hmm. Well, you can go to my website, which is www.rebeccamickey.com, and that's M-I-C-H-I.com. You can find out all about me there. I have um, I blog each week, obviously mainly about sleep, but there's a lot of other stuff that goes on there as well. I work with families individually and in small groups, gently teaching kiddos to be sleeping more independently. You also want to find me on Facebook. Um, so search for Rebecca Mickey Children's Sleep Consultant because I have a very active page where there's a lots of Q&As that go on each month, lots of tips. We've got quite the community on there, which is kind of nice. And I'd like to be really realistic. Um, and it's not all sort of amazing sleeping babies and roses. It is people commenting about how tough nights are and how hard it is. And trying to be really realistic. So we're not sort of, you know, sugarcoating anything. I like to be really realistic. And so definitely find me on Facebook because, as I say, it's an amazing community that we have there. Yes, and it is hard. And those Q&As that you do are fantastic because then listeners can go and ask you questions specifically about what their baby's doing that day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I have these Q&As twice a month where I will put posts out asking for questions And then I spend a day just answering around a dozen of them of the best ones. Um, I'll answer those. Um, so even if your question isn't answered, the chances are just reading through those other questions is going to be um, probably get some advice. But what a lot of people say is that just knowing that I'm not the only one who's dealing with sleep issues is very uh, reassuring and freeing, the knowing that you're not the only one who's up at 3 a.m. Because honestly, in the middle of the night, that's what it feels like, that you're the only person in the country who's up mm -hmm. at that time. Yes, and we're all up for one reason yes. or another. Very yes, good. definitely. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for sharing all your, all your knowledge. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Mighty Ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful. So come say hi. And go to birthfulcourses.com to sign up for my Thrive with Your Newborn postpartum preparation classes. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Bebo Mia and RX Bar Kids. 
To best support this podcast, support its sponsors and get discounts while you're at it. Use the code BIRTHFUL at rxbar.com slash BIRTHFUL to get a 25% off your first order. And use the code BIRTHFUL at bibomia.com to get $200 off registration for doula training. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Birthful Podcast is part of the Parents on Demand Network. Find out more at parentsondemand.com. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.